And our reading this morning is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 41. And I'm going to be starting to read at verse 41. Genesis chapter 41, starting at verse 41. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride in a chariot as his second in command and people shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, but without your word, no one will lift a hand or foot in all Egypt. Pharaoh gave Joseph the name Saphanath Paneah and gave him Asenda, daughter of Potiphar, priest of On, to be his wife. And Joseph went throughout the land of Egypt. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from Pharaoh's presence and traveled throughout Egypt. And during the seven years of abundance, the land produced principally. Joseph collected all the food produced in those seven years of abundance in Egypt and stored it in, a, in the cities. In each city, he put the food grown in the fields surrounding it. Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. And before the years of famine came, two sons were born by Joseph by Asana, daughter of Potiphera, priest of On. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said it was because God had made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and it's because God had made me fruitful in the land of the suffering. The seven years of abundance in Egypt came to an end and the seven years of famine began. Just as the so Joseph had said, there was famine in all the lands, but in the whole land of Egypt, there was food. When all Egypt began to feel the famine, the people cried to Pharaoh for food. Then Pharaoh told all the Egyptians, go to Joseph and do what he tells you. Then the famine had spread over the whole country. Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold grain to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe throughout Egypt. And all the world came to Egypt to buy grain from Joseph, because the famine was severe everywhere. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lord, as we come before you, may the words of my lips and the thoughts of all our hearts be always acceptable to you. Amen. Well, during this summer, we've been looking at some of the personalities that are sometimes very familiar to us in the Bible and what we can learn from being human in a God-centered world. For each of these, we've looked at what they have done in their own story and experience. What has God been doing in all this? And what does it tell us about being human and what a God-shaped world would look like for us today. Today, I would like to look at the experience of Joseph and his experience of standing up for God under some very trying circumstances. We all love stories in which the underdog wins, 
But the story of Joseph is one such story when a prisoner becomes second in command in all of Egypt. Remember Joseph's suffering and humiliation. He was thrown into a pit by his brothers and then sold as a slave. And once in Egypt, he was falsely charged with attempted rape and again thrown into a pit. But this time he had shackles that limited his movement. And then the king's cupbearer and baker were thrown into prison. Joseph was assigned to attend to their needs as though he were a lowly servant. After this, even though Joseph correctly interpreted their dream, the cupbearer forgot Joseph, so Joseph spent a further two more years in that pit. In all of this unjust, unjust suffering, we see Joseph standing up to his principles. But by the power of grace and God, only Joseph was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Joseph told Pharaoh of seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of severe famine. And according to Joseph, this matter had been firmly decided by God, and God will do it soon. The message is that God is in charge, and he is controlling events. He is revealing that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruit and lean years, food and drink, and health and sickness, prosperity and poverty come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. But now, how does Joseph respond to the providence of God? Does he sit back and do nothing? Does he say, whatever will be, will be? Joseph suggests a plan to Pharaoh so Egypt will not perish. Rescue was possible for Pharaoh and his people if only they listened to God's word through Joseph. Joseph was not a fatalist and he did not end up his speech to Pharaoh saying, famine is coming and we cannot stop it. Let's us hope for the best. Instead, he laid down a plan. Store up food during the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. And here is a reminder that biblical Christianity, we believe in the providence of God. Yes, we believe God has a plan. And yes, we believe God ordains all things. But we also believe that God's declarations require action on our part, especially when it comes to things like worship, repentance and prayer. And in the case of Egypt, storing up food during the seven years of plenty for the seven years of famine. We see that Joseph's combination of warning and wisdom pleases Pharaoh. And the wisdom of uh, Joseph's words is so clear that the king of Egypt recognizes the presence of the Holy Spirit. Pharaoh immediately pays attention to Joseph's counsel. He agrees to place a man in charge of famine relief and chooses Joseph for his task. What happens next is totally unexpected. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took the signet ring from his finger and put it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in fine robes of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. He had him ride a chariot as, it met, as his second in command. And men shouted before him, make way. Thus he put him in charge of the whole land of Egypt. Joseph is given all the trappings of royalty, Pharaoh's signet ring, fine clothing, jewelry, and a chariot. And Joseph becomes second in command next to Pharaoh. As I said, this is totally unexpected. But after years of faithfulness in little things, 
serving Potiphar, managing the prison, and attending Pharaoh's officials, Joseph is finally given authority over much. But didn't Jesus say that this is the way to the kingdom of heaven? You have been faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many. Joseph was granted all this because he relied on the Lord and was empowered by the Spirit. Take a step back for a moment and look at the whole picture. You remember how Joseph ended up in prison. Mrs. Potiphar was annoyed that she couldn't seduce Joseph and the, the woman rejected in love can be very angry and dangerous. We have an expression, hell nath no fury, like a woman scorned. So Mrs. Potiphar trumped up the evil charges against Joseph. As for Potiphar, he believed his wife without bothering to find out the facts for himself. And he took it for granted that his wife was a modest, virtuous woman and condemned Joseph as a wicked man and threw him into prison. But the Bible doesn't tell us what, but how was wondering how Potiphar's family reacted at the exaltation of Joseph later. They certainly knew that it was Joseph who was now in control of Egypt. Potiphar was the captain of Pharaoh's guard, and it appears Joseph was in Potiphar's prison. But scripture doesn't idly give us these little details for nothing. We look at the humiliation and exaltation of Joseph, and we see the humiliation and exaltation of Jesus. Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel to conspire against Jesus and condemned him to death. But death and humiliation did not have the last word because Jesus rose and he ascended into heaven and was seated at God's right hand. And listen to how Christ's exaltation is described in this hymn, in the hymn of Christ in the Philippines. Philippians. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see the similarities between Jesus and Joseph. Like Jesus, Joseph suffered humiliation and unjust suffering. And like Jesus, the rejection and persecution was used by God to save. And like Jesus, Joseph was exalted in the highest place. He was given a name above other names. And before him, every knee shall bow. The Hebrew for make way can also be translated as bend the knee. And every tongue was to confess his greatness. And we see that Joseph has a very similar experience. The first promise of salvation in Genesis states that in Messiah, and in him all believers will crush Satan's head and have final victory over evil. And we see our promised victory displayed in the life of Joseph. We may not all perceive public exaltation and vindication in this life, but Joseph did. And we all will be exalted in the last day when our perishable bodies is raised to glory, finally free from all sin and sickness. Have you noticed the very significant change in Joseph's life involved in the change of clothing? Father Jacob gave Joseph a beautiful coat, but his brothers stripped it off him and used his garment to deceive his father. Similar, Potiphar's wife stripped Joseph his garment and used it to deceive his master. And when Joseph was summoned by Pharaoh, 
the text notes that he first changed his clothes. And when Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of Egypt, he gave him robes of fine linen. In the same way, in Christ, we also have a change of clothing. Our rags of sin are exchanged for Christ's robes of righteousness. And at the wedding supper of the Lamb and his bride, those who are faithful will be given fine linen, bright and clean, to wear. So Joseph is exalted, just like the Lord Christ. And he went from rags to riches, just like Lord Jesus. And, under, and, and the underdog wins. The stone the builders rejected has become the capstone. Even in the Bible, we see the success can often be a curse. For example, Gideon and Solomon were led astray when their fame and their position. Yet Joseph remained faithful to the Lord, and Joseph did not allow success to keep him from bearing witness to the Lord. When he was a young man, Joseph boasted about his dreams and their interpretation. But before Pharaoh, Joseph was careful to say, to say dreams and their interpretation are from God. Joseph turned attention away from himself to God, and Joseph gave all the glory to God. And this evidently made an impression on Pharaoh. Why do I say that? Because the Egyptian name Pharaoh gave him to Joseph, Saphanath Paneer, the, the name means God has spoken and he lives. But this name is, all, is, all, is from a pagan king, acknowledged by our God as a living God in contrast to the idols of the heathen. First of, Pharaoh also gave Joseph an Egyptian wife. He was married to Asenath, the daughter of Potiphar, priest of On. This means Joseph was married into the family that led the worship and the sun god Ra. So Joseph was married to a pagan family. Yet it may be that the Lord used this marriage to convert Joseph's wife to the worship of himself. Though far from conclusive, a first century Jewish philosopher who lived in Egypt mentions the story in which Asenath returns to God. There is clear biblical evidence that Joseph maintained a strong witness to the one and only true God. And in our Bible reading today, we see the birth of Joseph's sons, Masana and Ephraim. Joseph had given an Egyptian, gave an Egyptian name, but he made sure his sons had Hebrew names. And their names proved Joseph's continued awareness of the Lord's presence with him in the land of Egypt. And lastly, Joseph also bore witness to the Lord through his work ethic. We are told Joseph traveled throughout Egypt. He collected food produced in the seven years of abundance, and he stored it up for seven years of famine. Think about all the arrangements that had to be made. Joseph needed storage facilities. He needed to negotiate with the farmers as prices fell during the huge surpluses. He needed agents to buy the grain, and he needed workers to guard the grain from thieves, rats, and mold. He needed to distribute it a distribution method to bring the grain from the countryside into the cities. And he needed the cooperation of the farmers and priests and the pharaoh's officials. What a lot of work. But Joseph not only did it, he did it well so that Egypt was prepared when the famine came. When we are told Joseph was able to buy a tremendous store of grain, it was like the sand of the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. There was so much of all the countries came to Egypt to buy grain. 
Through Joseph, then, God blessed the world. And through Joseph, God confirmed his promise to Abraham that all peoples on earth shall be blessed through you. Though, of course, this promise is especially filled in Christ. I was actually quite moved uh, when I was preparing this about recent history in our own country. And I can't remember the chap's name, but a certain brigadier in the army was given responsibility for actually distributing vaccines not very long ago in our country. And I actually speak from experience. I think that was a job very, very well done. And I think most of us here have probably had our jabs. have had it done efficiently without having to wait. And the distribution and the logistics of that, when you're distributing hundreds of thousands of doses every day, is an answer to prayer and a blessing for the person who had to manage it all. At the start of Genesis, Joseph was in prison. And at the end of Genesis 41, Joseph was second command. But by the grace of God and the plan of God, the underdog was given a great and glorious victory. So what can we learn from these experiences? Well, no matter what happened to Joseph as a younger man, he never seems to bear a grudge or injustice. He was obedient to what God wanted him to do and use his spiritual gifts. And his case interpreting dreams, he was able to use his gifts in managing his work to the glory of God. And by doing this successfully, he was given more responsibility. In doing, that, in doing this, he never claimed his own glory or success, but that of God. I've been very fortunate in my life and my career as an engineer. It has and continues to be a very interesting role involved in major projects throughout my career. But what I can say is that God never allowed me to do a project or make a decision that he'd not prepared me for. But in making these decisions, I always gave God the credit. I can only put my hand up and say, I participated in meetings when I've sat there around a table and wondered, what on earth am I doing here, God? Well, Lord, I need your help to get through this. And he never let me down. So for many people, they may work through life and think they are the ones in charge, making the key decisions. And if you are in a God-centered world, you can have Jesus on your side and you never need to be alone when you feel under pressure or I cannot do this. He will guide you through those difficult times and he can give him the glory he deserves. So I'd just like to finish with a verse. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, every tongue confessing, King of glory now. Tis the Father's pleasure that we should call him Lord, who from the beginning was the mighty word. Amen.